It is Friday, November 3rd. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm A.J. Hoffman. The Steelers beat the Titans on Thursday Night Football. And a career night for Wimbenyama. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is Straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Pittsburgh Steelers hold on to beat the Tennessee Titans 20-16. to Victor Wembenyama, 38 points as the Spurs beat the Suns for the second straight night. And Texas Tech hangs on to beat TCU. What is the Vegas lead here, Scott? Let's start with Thursday Night Football, AJ, kicking off week nine of the NFL season. The Steelers outlasting the Titans 20-16. to Not necessarily outlasting. They did win in come-from-behind fashion, scoring a touchdown in the fourth quarter. But then they held off the Titans uh, early on. I don't know why I was watching this game. There were 11 flags thrown in the first quarter of this game, AJ. Then this is happening more and more. There's more and more penalty flags being thrown in these games. It's becoming nearly unwatchable. Uh, yeah, this was this was not a fun game to watch by any stretch. I mean, at least it was competitive down the stretch. But uh, Although it was a penalty that made it fun exactly, down the stretch. Exactly. So just a, you know, I don't know how they can clean it up, but it's a flag fest. Uh, but this, I think this was going to be an ugly game anyway. Like these two teams are not great on offense, mm-hmm. uh, and it's not—it's certainly not a sexy matchup for primetime football. Yeah, although that first drive for the Pittsburgh Steelers was arguably their best opening drive yeah. of the season, and a lot of talk on the broadcast was that Matt Canada moved from the booth down to the sidelines and thinking that that was the impact uh, it had an impact on the Steelers well, it and it fixed, had an impact on Kenny Pickett fixed everything Kenny Pickett threw for 160 yards yeah. and he scored 20 <laughs> points this is a new age Scott I mean what, what well, can he you should say? have he should have thrown for more and he should have thrown for two touchdowns because George Pickens not getting a second foot in bounds on his catch yep. is honestly criminal for an NFL wide receiver but Deontay Johnson had a big night, seven catches for 90 yards and the go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter. Will Levis, in his second career start, 22 of 39, 262 yards, zero touchdowns, one interception on his final throw of the game. And two rushing yards. Not enough for your boy who two rushing yards. liked the over yep. 10 and a half, but... Listen, Will Levis played a lot better game than I think any of us were expecting. Yeah, uh, threw a lot of balls into really good windows. He made a lot of good decisions. He looks like the real deal through two games. Yeah, the fact that we cashed one of the same game parlays that we put together mm-hmm. that we were basing around Will Levis's incompetence yeah. is kind of wild because he, he wasn't incompetent. Uh, he, he gave them a chance to win, and the pick he throws is, you know, at times running down, you're, it's desperation time. Exactly. You, know, you got to throw so, the ball into the end zone. Uh, it, it, it's not a, a bad pick. I don't fault him for it. Uh, I, I thought overall he played really well. And if you told me that, I mean, his his passing prop was like 201, 202. Mm-hmm. If you had told me 250, I would have bet my house on the under. Yeah. And he, he puts up 262 yeah. passing yards. It was a big day for, for Will Levis. And I think – the Titans have to look at this as the passing of the torch. Like, when Ryan Tannehill is back and healthy, mm-hmm. they have to say, hey, you've got a new role. It's as mentor. Uh, because now, at this point, taking Levis wet reps away 
and giving them to Ryan Tannehill doesn't make any sense for your long-term plans. Yeah, it's been two weeks, but you already have seen enough that this kid deserves to be the starter for the rest of the year. You're three and five. The season's not, like, totally gone. You can still, you know, make some noise and win a couple of games here, and then all of a sudden you're finding yourselves in a playoff push later in the year. So all is not lost at three and five, but you have to now understand that this is Will Levis's team. Yeah, you are, you are three and five. It looks like the Jags are going to run away with this division, but you still have both matchups with the Jags ahead of you. Sure. So if you sweep those and, you know, it suddenly makes things interesting. But there's some more tough games on their schedule. They, they still have the Seahawks. They're, they're still at Miami for a game. So it's not going to be easy. But, um, you know, I, I think at this point, the priority should be looking looking to the future, looking mm-hmm. to see what you've got. In, and I mean, you knew when they you invested a high second-round pick in Will Levis. You yeah. knew you wanted to see that at some point. You know Ryan Tannehill's not going to be back next year. What's the point in waiting? What's what's the point in in you know let it, letting the the clock tick mm-hmm. on Will Levis without getting him game reps? And from a Pittsburgh Steelers perspective, they're five and three now. They've been out yarded in every game they've played this season. And remember the comparison that was brought up. Uh, I guess it was Pittsburgh radio, and then it kind of you know circulated on the on the web. The comparisons of this Steelers team to the Tim Tebow Denver team that had no business winning football games and yet pulled games out of their asses in the fourth quarter. Now, I'm not saying Kenny Pickett and the Steelers pulled this game out of their ass, but they were out-yarded. Kenny Pickett threw for 160 yards on 19 of 30 passing. Uh, You know, they finally got some decent running, but this, if you just watched, if you just look at the box score, the Titans won the won the football game. Yeah. And it seems like that's happening in every Steelers game. Well, They're I losing mean, the stats. And it's and it's not like they're only beating bad teams. I mean, they, they the Rams, when they played them, the Rams were still looked at like a pretty solid team. Yeah. And they went to LA and beat them. They beat the Ravens. Uh they beat this the Cleveland Browns. Like they've got some really solid wins over good teams on their resume. And I don't know how it's being done because well, they I, got ta- they got talent on defense and they have a hell of a coach. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I, it seems like that can get you so far mm-hmm. when you've got such a a, a really. I mean, and you're right, they've got talent on defense, but it's not like it's world, you know, top of the world talent. And to be honest, they've been missing some of their best guys all year. Cam Hayward was gone for the first part. Yeah, of it just year. came back. Just comes night. back, and you lose Minka Fitzpatrick mm-hmm. when he leaves or when he comes back. So. It's it's a weird thing. I mean, it's a these teams happen sometimes. They, they, these runs happen where a team is not playing good football and they still find a way to win games. I I give credit to the teams that do it. I think there is something to being able to win close games, and the Steelers have that voodoo magic right now. They're they're making things happen when it seems like they shouldn't be able to. Yeah, wins are wins, and yep. it doesn't matter how you get them. You just gotta stack them up, and then eventually you'll be in a position where you could make the postseason and. Right now, the Steelers are in a good position at 5-3. and three. Here's a question for you. Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Bengals, all above 500 now. Mm-hmm. Are, do they all finish above 500? I can see it. It's pretty wild, yeah. if, but it's, it, well, we it's know there's gonna possible. Be, we know that we know there's going to be a tie at some point. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're, they're always, <laughs> they're 
always is. We're going to have an 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one team. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. What if what if every uh, playoff team, uh, it's, uh, it's, I, mean, I guess there's going to be two from the AFC East. It would be hard to imagine the Bills or the Dolphins not yeah. making it. But, mm-hmm. I mean, there's going to be one of these teams going to be left out of the playoffs. going to be pretty damn good. Yeah. Last year, the Browns were 7-10. and 10. Otherwise, you know, the, the other three teams yep. were above 500. Um, it's possible. I mean, the NFC East last year. Everyone was above 500. Uh, the Commanders were eight, eight, and one because yep. of the tie. Yep. So that was the that was the division last year where everyone was 500 or better, and that could very well be the AFC North this year. Yep. Black and blue division, the toughest division in yep. football, and it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun race to see who comes out on top of that. I I, I love the Ravens. I think the Ravens are maybe the best team in football right now, but none of these teams in this division are bad. And the Bengals, who are currently at the bottom of it, probably have the most upside of all of them. Well, let's start our preview of Week 9 Sunday in the NFL. And the action gets started bright and early in Frankfurt, Germany, where the Dolphins take on the Kansas City Chiefs. All of these lines, courtesy of our friends at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Right now, there's been movement. The Chiefs, two-point favorites with a total of 51. Yeah, I like the Chiefs here in a game where you're basically just asking them to win. They're in a bounce-back spot. Uh, and Miami's just not played well against the, the top teams in the league, particularly against teams that have good defenses. Uh, the, the Patriots, when they were healthy early in the season, gave this offense some trouble. Uh, the Eagles gave them lots of trouble. The Bills, when they were healthy, gave them lots of trouble. Uh, the Chiefs are, are one of those defenses and one of those teams that I think can give them some problems. And if Hartman doesn't muff that punt and the Chiefs are sitting at 7-1 and one right now, I, I, don't, I don't know if we're looking at this, this, this team the same. I know yeah. everybody's looking at the Chiefs right now like, man, huh? It, but because they didn't find a way to win that game last week, suddenly we're all down on them. Mahomes is a short, is a short dog or a short favorite or a dog, three points or less or an underdog, 19-6 and six ATS in his mm. career. That is pretty damn good. You go, you go 76% ATS in any spot, that's pretty good. Tyree Kill, 91 and a half is his receiving prop. It's hard to imagine him not going over this. He has talked all week about this matchup. Everyone's been talking about the Tyree Kill factor in this game. You just got to believe that Mike McDaniel is going to force feed him early in this game. You would think so, but I, I, I mean, also... You know, these are the guys who know his tendencies better than anybody. Mm -hmm. They know where Tyreek Hill wants to be on the field. They know what he wants to do. Rather than playing the 91.5 receiving yards, I would like the 92.5 rushing plus receiving yards. You think he gets a carry or something? I think he gets a carry. Okay. Yeah. I could see that. And all it takes is him breaking But more often than not, a lot of what he gets are those little shovel passes. Yes. And those end up being receiving yards. I mean, I'd probably prefer to have one yard. Yeah, I'd prefer to to have have Just to have the protection in case there's like a reverse play run or a jet sweep where it is a a handoff. It's for a one-yard difference. We're not talking about like a seven-yard difference. For a one-yard difference, I'll take that protection. I I think you're probably right. Give me over 92.5 Tyreek Hill rushing plus receiving yards in this revenge matchup against the Kansas City Chiefs. Moving on, the Vikings are at the Falcons. Atlanta is favored in this one. Four-point favorites, low total of 37. We have Taylor Heineke starting at quarterback for the home Falcons and Jaron Hall from BYU starting at quarterback for the Vikings. This is some bad, bad football here. Um, Two bad quarterbacks. Uh, I I know Heineke, there's a lot of people who think that, you know, he's good, but – 
he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. Uh, he was the second lowest graded quarterback per PFF last year, only ahead of Zach Wilson, had the highest turnover-worthy play percentage in the league last season. And the Falcons, like, I know everybody thinks they're like a league average team. I don't know that they are. Like, mm-hmm. they're, they're, their underlying stats say they're not. They're 24th in offensive DVOA, 25th in defensive DVOA. Their wins are over Carolina, Green Bay, Houston, and Tampa. Like, okay, so you're, you're, you're going to the playground and you're beating up all the kids that yeah. have, like, you know, on, that has a, an R, a cast on his arm and, like, the one kid who's got one leg that's way longer than the other leg. Yeah, what a real tough guy you are, Falcons. I, I don't know. I, and this, I mean, listen, they just got beat up by a Titans team that, at the time, we thought they were quitting. Mm-hmm. And they went out and smacked around the Falcons. The Vikings are better on defense than people want to give them credit for. They're top 10 in DVOA on defense. Uh, I just don't think the Falcons should be four-point favorites over anybody, even a team with a backup quarterback, especially given yeah. that Taylor Heineke's no good either. Yeah, it's it's hard to bet on either of these teams. The total is so low at 37, though. I feel like as bad as these quarterbacks are, like there's going to be scoring in this game. Well, we know what the Falcons are going to do. They're going to want to hand the ball off. Yeah. I don't know what the Vikings do because yeah. O'Connell seems so intent on throwing the football. I, I, I mean, how much does that change I, without I, Cousins? Look, I don't think it does change. And I'd look at TJ Hawkinson props because a backup quarterback's best friend is the tight end. Yeah. So I'd look at those uh, as well. Uh, the Cardinals are at the Browns. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, Clayton Toon will start for Arizona. The Browns' eight-point favorites, AJ. And I can only look one way in this game – and that's the Browns winning in a shutout. Yeah, I'm the same way. Cardinals are averaging less than 13 points per game on the road this year, and that was with Josh Dobbs, who was their planned starting quarterback. Now they're using a quarterback who's never played an NFL snap. He's going on the road into bad weather and playing against one of the best defenses in the league. Good luck. I, I don't want ba- to lay points with P.J. Walker because yeah. of what they did to me last week. A uh, game that they should have they should have won and covered. They they do some bonehead stuff late and cost me. Uh, but I, I do think Arizona has a really hard time scoring. I, I played a team total under on the Cardinals. Moving on, we have the Rams at the Packers. Green Bay, a three-point favorite. I can't lay three points with Jordan Love right now. I, I can't either. I, I think I know I'm in the minority. I think the Packers are in the conversation for like one of the two or three worst teams in the league. I, I don't see anything to like about this team. Uh, my it's, worry. Do we think that it's going to be Brett Rippon that starts? Yeah. It's likely going to be. I, I, starting, I, let's yeah. just assume that it is, and I, I kind of went into this assuming that it would be. If Stafford plays great, uh, but I don't think he does. I don't think he does either. It, and the, but the problem with the Rams is their defense. I talked about it last week, going into the week. Their defense at the end of the Steelers game looked exhausted. Mm-hmm. Last week against the Cowboys, they looked exhausted. I don't know when they – I mean, I guess maybe Jordan Love, going against Jordan Love is like a bye. Like, uh, oh, okay, all of a sudden we, we can rest a little. I think the Rams lean on the run. Um, I, I think Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman, these guys who they brought in, are going to have to carry this game because they want to keep they want to keep their defense off the field, first of all, mm-hmm. uh, and, and they want to take pressure off of Brett Rippon. Yeah, that makes a lot, ton of sense. The Commanders are at the Patriots. The Patriots are three-point favorites. We got three and a half in the contest, yeah. so we we both took the commanders in the contest. But as far as a three-point line, I still like Washington. I know everyone's down on them for trading away Sweat and Chase Young, but 
the Patriots haven't shown me anything this season that warrants them being a field goal favorite. Uh, I'm with you. Uh, the, the number says the Patriots are, are significantly better than the Commanders. And I don't see it. I, I don't see it either. They're still one of the worst offenses in the league. Now they're without their best wide receiver for the rest of the yeah, season. Yeah, Kendrick Bourne done. He was the only player on that team who had 250 receiving yards. We're in week nine. Mm-hmm. He was the only one that had 250 yards. He had four of their nine receiving touchdowns. They have one wide receiver available for this game who's caught a touchdown all year. He's caught one touchdown pass. Wow. So, and the Washington defense, before they lost those pass rushers, they already stunk. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) how much worse are they going to be? They are sixth against the run, though, Washington defensively. So, this is another game where you're saying, Mac Jones, you got to go out there and beat him. And I don't trust him. Uh, I I don't trust Sam Howell either. But I I know that Sam Howell's going to put up points. He's going to put up yards because that's what he's done every game. He's losing games. But I, I don't know how the commander's defense lets the, this Patriots offense do more than what Sam Howe's going to do. The Bears are at the Saints. New Orleans, an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. I love me the Saints as a teaser leg in this one. The Browns also. But uh, I thought Derek Carr looked good last week. Derek Carr's developing this connection down the field with Rashid Shahid, uh, the speedster, who had three catches, 153 yards in the score last week. I think the Saints are onto something. I know Dallas, Dennis Allen's a terrible ATS head coach. The worst. But the, yeah, the, the worst. They're tied for first place in the division at four and four. They're better than the Falcons. They're better than the Bucks. Like, I think the Saints are about to go on a run. Yeah, Carr's played two of his best games of the season in the last three weeks, so maybe he's turning the corner. But I don't know that I want to lay it as big favorites with them. Derek Carr, 18 and 34 ATS in his career as a favorite. Mm-hmm. We talked about Dennis Allen being the worst ATS coach ever. Uh, I lean the Saints. But teaser piece. I, I think teaser's Tease the way them to down go. to two and a half. Yep. That's that's free right there. Uh, the Ravens, six-point favorites over the Seahawks. Don't tease the Ravens down. No. Nope. Just play a money line. That's what Fez would say. Yep. Because you can find their six-point favorites. You can find a minus 250. Yep. And that's better. That's better than than finding a second leg to tease, whatever. You know, just that's a that's a that's a sharp play right there. But Ravens, we know Lamar's record against the NFC. Yeah. He's dominant against the NFC. I, I don't see the Ravens losing to the Seahawks team. No, I don't either. Um, and I, and I, RJ and I uh, crossfired on this on the pod. I like the Ravens. He likes the Seahawks here. This is a t- These are two teams that were on different ends of the bad beat spectrum last week. The mm-hmm. Seahawks got a little lucky against the, the Ravens, or excuse me, against the Browns. The Ravens got pretty unlucky against the Cardinals. Pretty unlucky? Uh, ridiculously unlucky. But the Ravens' offense is kind of figuring things out. 35 points per game the last two weeks. They've moved to number four in offensive DVOA Mm -hmm. to go along with being the number one defensive DVOA team. Uh, And I think the Seattle defense is just kind of okay. The last four or five weeks, everybody's been like, oh, Seattle's defense is playing really well. Well, yeah, you played P.J. Walker, Josh Dobbs, Daniel Jones, a a limping Joe Burrow, and Andy Dalton. Yeah, you should be looking pretty damn good. (laughs) Uh, This is Lamar Jackson who is – Honestly, playing at a, a pretty high level. You know, one, one of the best seasons he's had since his MVP year. Um, and the Seahawks are banged up. They're banged up at, at running back uh, with Walker. They're banged up at wide receiver with Lockett. They're banged up in the secondary with Jamal Adams, who's got a knee still. Jarek Reed's got a shoulder still. Uh, I, I just think I think the Ravens are too strong right now, and the Seattle team is still a little untested in my mm. mind. Yeah, and I, I don't like the team going uh, West Coast, East Coast. I know it's been good over the past 
couple of years, but it's still something that I don't like betting on, especially in a physical game like it's going to be against the Baltimore Ravens. The Bucks are at the Texans. Houston up to three-point favorites now. I wish I took the two-and-a-half in the contest, but uh, Texans, three-point favorites at home against the Bucks. Yeah, I still lean to the Texans here, uh, and the stat that I gave on the Dream Pod was about C.J. Stroud under pressure. He's got one of the biggest disparities of when, when he's pressured versus when he's not. Mm. PFF grades him as the 48th best quarterback under pressure. Kept clean, he is the 10th best quarterback. Bucks 27th in pressure rate this season, 5th in blitz rate. So they're sending a lot of extra people and getting nothing for it. I think C.J. Stroud can have a good game here. And I like rookie quarterbacks way more at home than I do on the road. Yeah, of course. They've already beat the Steelers at home. They've already beat the Saints at home. Both those teams are better than this Bucks team. And at the beginning of the year, we played, and when we did that contest where we were drafting teams, we picked the Bucks to be one of the worst teams. Mm-hmm. They haven't looked like it so far, they but they're will. trending yes. in that direction. They're trending down. For and sure. like the lack of talent on that team mm-hmm. is starting to shine through. Panthers, two and a half point home dogs against the Colts. I gave out a play on this game on the Dream Pod. It was the Panthers in the first quarter. Because they're six and one against the spread in the first quarter this season. They are allowing the fourth fewest first quarter points in the NFL. The last three weeks, the Indianapolis Colts have given up the season high for their opponents in scoring. So, boy, it feels like it's going to happen again. It wouldn't shock me if it yeah. happens again because Carol, well, Carolina's not, they don't have a very high bar to, to pass. Yeah. But, uh, highest I, point total for Carolina this season is 20, uh, 27 points against the Seahawks. Okay. And that's doable. And then 24 points twice. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the offense didn't look great last week against the Texans, but you could, you can see Bryce Young's a little more comfortable in it. Uh, with the new play caller, the defense only gave up 13 points. It was a spirited effort for a team that you could have imagined rolling over. So, and this is similar to why I wanted the Panthers last week against the Texans. The Colts aren't good enough to be road favorites Mm. like this. So, uh, I'll take the Panthers again. The Raiders, they are one-and-a-half-point home favorites against the New York football Giants. And we know that Aiden O'Connell will start for the Raiders, the Vegas cleaning house, new play caller on offense. The offensive coordinator's gone. Head coach is gone. uh, General manager's gone. Former Giants linebacker Antonio Pierce is now the interim coach. I don't know what to expect from the Raiders. Besides, I don't think think they're going to score. What's the line on this game if the Giants hit that field goal at the end of uh, regulation? Mm, Pick them. I, th- I think so. Like I, I just think, I think the Giants are are a little disrespected. I don't think they're good by any stretch. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I, I thought they outplayed the Jets last week and got nothing for it. Well, Brian and, Dable is a chicken, and yeah. And when you look at their schedule, they've they have played a murderer's row, and when they've played against bad teams, well, they beat them. It's about to get Raiders, a lot easier. Here. The Raiders are a bad team, yeah, and these are the two worst offenses in the league per DVOA, and. That was the Raiders with Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going away from that now mm-hmm. to a lesser player. And the the difference between these teams on defense, Giants 19th, Raiders 24th. I think the Giants still have some fight. I think they get a good matchup here against a Raiders team that can't stop the run. 
I think this is a good Saquon Barkley day. I, I like the Giants here. I like the Giants a lot as a teaser piece. Too, oh, absolutely. Because the, I don't think the Raiders, with Aiden O'Connell, they're not going to run away from anybody. No, 100% Giants, great teaser leg. The Philadelphia Eagles hosting the Cowboys. Philly, a three-point favorite. I like the over here. Uh, the Cowboys offense. 47. Cowboys offense has found a groove. Uh, they're, they're throwing more on early downs which they weren't doing early. Mm-hmm. Dak is moving around in the pocket more, which they weren't doing early in the season, and you have to do against this Eagles front. And then the Eagles vulnerable against the pass, particularly in the slot where CeeDee Lamb is going to be most of the time. He is going to feast. And on the other side, the Cowboys weaker against the run than the pass. That's great for the Eagles. But where they are weak in the secondary is they're, they're, run, they're running a, a ton of man coverage, the Cowboys are, after this Diggs injury. And A.J. Brown, the number one graded wide receiver against man coverage in the league. The last five games these teams have played against each other have averaged 62 points. And only one of the five did both teams have their starting quarterback. So these are like Dak versus Minshew, Jalen Hurts versus Cooper Rush, Jalen Hurts versus Andy Dalton. They're still averaging 62 points a game. This is going to be a shootout. Sunday night football, the Bengals, two-point home favorites over your Buffalo Bills. Yeah, I like the I like the Bills here. Um, I, I think this line should probably be closer to a pick. Uh, it, this has been such a move from the game last year where the Bills were almost three-point favorites at Cincinnati late in the season in that DeMar Hamlin game. Um, the Bills have a little extra rest. I'm not sure it matters a lot since, since he's already had their bye a couple weeks ago. But the Bills' offense looked right last week for the first time since the London game. Uh, I think there's an over in this game. But I, I don't have a real strong uh, play on, on the side either way. And this is one of the games where I don't like the plus two as a teaser leg because I think because it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think there's a lot of variance. Total 49 and a half. Last night in the NBA, a short slate. The Sixers, 114-99 winners over Toronto. The Pelicans, 125-116 over the Pistons. Magic get a road win, 115-113 at Utah. And the San Antonio Spurs, on the strength of Victor Wimbanyama, 38 points, 10 rebounds. I think this guy can play in the NBA. 132-121 winners at Phoenix, second time in a row. They've smashed Phoenix. Well, the first time they smashed them. The second time that they've beaten them in a row. Uh, obviously, we talked a couple days ago about their come-from-behind last-second win. And now they just come in and, and they they spanked them from the beginning. Outscored them by 19 in the first quarter. Never looked back. 132-121 winners. Is it possible that the Spurs are going to be good? Well, Wemby right now looks tremendous. Uh, and, and for the first time in his young career, which has spanned five games, he did not go over his turnover prop. So uh, the books finally juiced it, and he does not go over. He only had two turnovers last night, but 15 of 26 from the field. You mentioned the 38 points and 10 boards, a second straight win over the Suns. He keeps playing like this. Not only is he going to win Rookie of the Year, but the Spurs are going to go over their win total. So, yeah, maybe the Spurs are a little bit better just because Wemby is a little bit better. Yeah, and last night was the return of Devin Booker. Still no Bradley Beal, though, mm-hmm. for Phoenix. So they- I also think the NBA regular season is just whatever. Like We're, we're going to see games in the regular season that are fun, that are entertaining, but it's meaningless. Yes, we'll get to the play-in tournament. Those games mean something for whatever, but then the playoffs is really where it matters. The playoffs are three months long. Yeah. Like, 
the 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 fact that the NBA season we know is way too long. These games, like I said, there's going to be fun nights throughout the season. Last night's a fun night. Wemby scoring 38, beating the Suns, that's a fun night. But is anybody doubting that the Spurs are that the Suns are not better than the Spurs? One team is an NBA championship contender, and the other team will be fighting for a postseason spot. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. But the fact that the Spurs are started three and two, they only won 22 games all of last year. Yeah, that's why they so, got Wembenyama. Uh, yeah, this is a, an impressive start for a team that I think most people still thought was going to be really bad. But when two of your three wins are at Phoenix, who, like you said, is Very a, a title contender. Maybe we need to take this Spurs team a little more seriously. Uh, and speaking of that in-season tournament, Scott, today's day one of it. Yeah. This is group play. Uh, it starts today. It starts with the Nets at the Bulls. Bulls four-point favorites in the first group play game. Your New York Knicks plus six and a half at Milwaukee. You, you feeling it? Yeah. This this is the next chance for a, for a championship, the midseason championship. I think that's the, the way to look at it. Midseason tournament championship. That's it. Golden State five point road favorites at OKC. Yeah, I, I think the Warriors are going to win this in season tournament. Oh, do you? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Just a hunch. You got a hunch. Yeah. All right. Uh, the Wizards plus nine and a half at Miami. The Grizzlies. Oof. The Grizzlies have looked so bad. They're two point road favorites at Portland. Uh, so that wraps up your day one of group play uh, for the NBA in-season tournament. Yeah, it is the first day of the group stages. Group stage games will be on Tuesdays and Fridays this month of November. Teams are going to be wearing their city edition uniforms and games played on specially designed courts, AJ. I can't wait. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it, and it's so easy here. Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time. For no additional charge, find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ, it's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1 because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality, and I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. 
And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. The Vegas Golden Knights still undefeated, AJ. You have to be impressed. Tell Very me impressed. 10-0-1 to start the year. After a 5-2 win over the Jets last night here in Las Vegas, VGK still unbeaten. You know what's going to happen, right? They're going to lose someday? Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm going to the game tomorrow against the Avalanche, so naturally they'll lose. Now, I don't want to put that juju in the atmosphere, but I just it's just like I haven't gone to a game yet this season, and they're mm. undefeated, and the mm. first game I'm actually going to be at? Like, yeah, that does worry me. Come you on. are kind of a mush sometimes. Right? Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't want his face looking at that to, face. Why are you going to that game? While he's rolling my dice. Why are you going to that game? Why not? It's a Saturday night. I don't want you going to that game. <laughs> why don't you stay home and watch that game on TV? Yeah. I, I don't want a big game. I don't want his face looking at that face. I, I, I don't, I don't my like dice. this guy at this game. Put him in the bathroom. Put him in the bathroom. Yeah, I don't like it, Scott. Vegas with a big win uh, last night, 5-2 over the Jets. So Vegas still undefeated on the year. So are the Bruins. So are the Bruins, the Boston Bruins, 9-0-1 after a 3-2 shootout win over the Toronto Maple Leafs. Still winless on the year. The San Jose Sharks. I feel bad AJ, for the it's Sharks. it's getting embarrassing. I feel bad for them. Like, stop the fight. It's getting – I think they should start forfeiting games. But but as uh, someone pointed out to me on Twitter last night, how do you fade them if they if they forfeit games? So yeah. we, we need them to keep playing. Last night, do you realize that taking the Canucks on the puck line was actually plus money? That's crazy. You got – the books gave us plus money to bet the Canucks on the puck line the Canucks were up eight nothing after two periods, AJ. And yeah, so you're at that point you're winning by yeah about six goals. Yeah, <laughs> the Sharks this season, the Sharks this season have the worst puck line record in the NHL. We have the worst overall record in the yeah. NHL, but they have the worst puck line record in the NHL at one and nine. Pathetic. And the Canucks have the best puck line record. In the NHL. So, congratulations, uh, a route. And now we are what just. About, well, can the Penguins beat them on the puck line at San Jose on Saturday? Because yes. I, I can't bet on VGK now because yes. you're going to be yes. there to mush yes. it. Just, we're just going to okay. keep paying the Sharks. All right. So, the Sharks, that listen, history is uh, they've already passed the franchise record for the worst start to a season at 09 and 1. And they are now have lost 10 games to start the year. Right, because of the uh, shootout loss, so that's ten straight losses to start the year. They are one shy of the all-time record losing streak to start the season. That was the New York Rangers in 1943. I remember lost that was eleven games to start the year from October 30th to November 27th in 1943. Jeez, and the Sharks are one loss away. From tying that streak. I got a feeling we're going to see history made, Scott. I have a feeling we're going to see history made 
as well. We got a short schedule tonight on the ice. The Flyers are at the Sabres. Buffalo, a minus 185 favorite. High total in this one. Seven. Ooh. Yeah. Seven is a high total. And we have a total of six and a half between the Devils and the Blues from St. Louis, New Jersey. A minus 155 favorite. It is the second of a back-to-back for Jersey, who won 5-3 in Minnesota last night. So, good performance by the Devils in Minnesota. I had the over in that game, so I was happy with the uh, lots of goals being scored. You know, I I toyed around with a parlay last night, uh, a prop parlay. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know what? I'm going to do a long shot parlay. Let me throw five bucks on this and see what happens. And what I did was a goal scoring parlay. And I should have just done all Vancouver Canucks <laughs> against the Sharks. Move, yeah. But I said, I'm going to call this the all in the family parlay. And I'm going to take Quinn Hughes of Vancouver to score. Okay. Jack Hughes of the Devils to score. And Luke Hughes of the Devils to score. Well, Quinn Hughes scored a goal last night because everybody on the Canucks scored a goal last Mm -hmm. night. Jack and Luke Hughes both had assists. Mm. So if I would have done a points parlay, I would have won, but I decided to do a goals parlay. First off, the payout is so much higher. The points parlay would have been like even money. But it was fun. And it was fun watching the Devils game, rooting for the Hughes brothers to score. From now on, but just, they got points. just do Jonathan Marcheseau. He'll score the goals. Well, I was thinking about him as well, but I should have just done every Canucks player. You would have lost your hat if you were at the game last night. Yeah. Or you would have, he would have scored zero, and the Knights would have lost exactly. if you were there. So but I should have just done every Canucks player, because like, that would have been pretty fun. Like Hughes, Besser, did they spread Miller, the love? Like how many Bavillier. different? I mean, <laughs> like Everybody, yeah, everyone scored. You get a goal. You Thank get a goal. Bro. You get a goal. So uh, tonight, not going to do the goals, but I think I might go back to the well with the Hughes brothers to get points. What do you think? I don't know. I'm, I'm not the guy to ask. You know much more about hockey than me. But they, well, Jack, they, they sound like they're pretty good. At this point, they don't, they don't even put the lineup on Jack Hughes to get a point. Because he always gets a he point. He just always gets a point. Jordan Binnington, the goalie for St. Louis, uh, 2.61 goals against average. So we'll see what uh, Jack Hughes can do tonight. Uh, and Luke Hughes, my Calder Trophy uh, candidate. Uh, you want the update on the odds? Yeah, give me the odds. The update. Remember, I have Luke Hughes to start the season. We faded Connor Bedard. And I bet Luke Hughes at plus 900 to be the NHL's Rookie of the Year, the Calder Trophy winner. Right now, Luke Hughes plus 750. Okay. So I got a little value I like on that. that. He's the second favorite, Connor Bedard minus 150. Okay. Yeah. But hey, 750, I, I'm happy to see that line moving. Short slate on Thursday night uh, in college football, but Texas Tech gets a 35 28 win. Over TCU, TCU now four and five on the season after playing in the national championship From game. National last year. championship to toilet bowl. It's unbelievable. Uh, I gave out yesterday as a best bet: Duke Wake Forest under forty-five. It was announced later on the, yesterday morning that Riley Leonard was out yeah. for this game. It's plummets down to forty and a half. It landed on 45. Hopefully, you were an SOV listener and mm. said, you know what? I'm going to play it now at 45. You didn't wait till it got down to 40 and a half. That would have been crazy. Uh, and then South Alabama, we talked about them. It's, they, they had all this potential coming into the season. They get smacked around by Troy last night, 28 to 10. 
Only two games on the schedule tonight, and Scott, one of them I've got a best bet on here. Boston College plus three at your boys up in Syracuse. Syracuse is so bad. They are averaging eight and a half points per game in conference play. Their offense scored two touchdowns in October. Wow. October. Yeah. That's a whole month. Two touchdowns. They're allowing 38 points per game in conference play, scoring eight and a half. That's almost a 30-point-per-game <laughs> difference. And Boston College, the best rushing team in the ACC, 214 yards a game. Syracuse, the worst rushing defense in the ACC, mm. 210 yards per game allowed. Syracuse got outrushed last last week, 318-0 against Virginia Tech. This team is rolling over right now. And Any concern about they need two more wins to get bowl eligibility? They have three games left. Two of them are at home. Just you feel like they fight for the two games at home? I mean, I, if they were going to fight, why, why, why didn't they fight the last four yeah. weeks? Uh, and this Boston College team is competent. I don't think they're great, but they're competent. Castellanos was banged up last week, but the reports have been good on him, and the running backs are enough to carry the load if, if he's got to stay in the pocket more. The other thing with Syracuse, 0-8 ATS coming off a loss in the last two seasons, and I think you have to question their strength of schedule. They beat an FCS team to start the season. Mm-hmm. Their other three wins – the opponents are a combined 7-18 and 18 yeah. on the season. So they just beat up some bad teams early, and now they've turned into what they are, which is a bad team. So I'm going to go Boston College plus three as my best bet for today. Elsewhere, Colorado State is at Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming minus five and a half. I, I like Colorado State here, but I'm not going to play them because Wyoming uh, in Laradice, as they call it, up in Laramie. <laughs> It is a uh, it's a it's a horror show for teams up there. So I'll I'll respect home field and say, yeah, I'm not going to fade Wyoming on the road. Well, let's take a look at some of the key matchups in the top 25 for tomorrow. We'll talk about the games between two ranked opponents and the action starts big noon kickoff from Austin, where number seven, Texas hosts number 23, Kansas State. The Longhorns, a four-point favorite, AJ. Yeah, Kansas State's a new team since they they started adding in Avery Johnson to the QB mix, and they hardly needed him last week because Avery Johnson, no, not the former not, basketball coach, no, not that Avery. Okay. Uh, Will Howard did whatever he but wanted. But I spent some time in Dallas. <laughs> oh, it's a different guy. Uh, did whatever he wanted against UH, but this is a different beast, man. A, a road game at Texas against probably the only team left in the Big Twelve with title aspirations. And part of what Kansas State's done the last three weeks is is line up against opponents and just dominate them mm-hmm. physically. They're not going to be able to do that against this Texas team. And the entire time that Kansas State has been, you know, let's say Oklahoma's been the most consistent team in the last handful of years. Kansas State's probably been the second most consistent program in this conference. Texas has not been consistent at all over the last six years. But Texas has won six straight against Kansas State. Mm-hmm. Somehow they play well in this game every year, no matter how bad the team is. Kansas State hasn't won in Austin since 2011, so I, I'm not still I'm still not totally sold on Malik Murphy today. I, I love his upside still. I don't know where he's at today, but I think defensively Texas has some advantages. They're allowing less than 98 rushing yards per game, uh, so they're going to try to make this. Kansas State offense that's suddenly been two-dimensional, try to make them one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I I lean to the horns here. I think both teams struggle to put up points, though, honestly. I, I think an under is the way to look. Your next matchup of two top 25 teams, number 12, Missouri, at number two, Georgia. The Bulldogs, 15.5-point favorites. Did Georgia do enough last week against Florida 
to impress you to the point where you're comfortable laying north of two touchdowns against Missouri. No, but they did do exactly what I'd hoped they would do last week, which was score a bunch of points and Mm -hmm. be explosive on offense. We talked about Brock Bowers and how how valuable he's been to this Georgia team. There's no doubt he's the best tight end in the country, Uh, maybe the best skill player in the country in, in that discussion, certainly. But what him being off the field has done is forced Georgia to be a down-the-field explosive offense. Mm. Lad McConkey, really good wide receiver who wasn't seeing the ball very much because they didn't have to take deep yeah. shots. They could just dink and dunk to Brock Bowers, and, and they didn't have to take shots. Now they're having to go downfield. We're starting to see that this Georgia offense can be explosive, and the defense isn't as good as it's been in past years. We saw them give up 20 to that Florida team. Uh, we saw them give up 20 to Vanderbilt, 20 to Auburn. Uh, and 21 to UAB. Uh, this is a vulnerable Georgia defense, and this is arguably the best offense they've seen this year in Missouri. Uh, Brady Cook's been one of the best quarterbacks that no one talks about. Instead of trying to you know, decide if this is going to be two touchdowns or two touchdowns and a field goal, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say this goes over. I, like that I, I, well. I think there's a lot of points scored in this one. Number nine, Oklahoma takes on number 22, Oklahoma State in Stillwater. It's the final edition of Bedlam. AJ and at least as we know it now. Yes. And you know what? It means more to Oklahoma state than it does to Oklahoma, because if you asked Oklahoma what their biggest rivalry game is, I bet you a lot of the fans would say it's the red river rivalry sure. and it's the Texas game, especially now going to the sec, the matchup here uh, in Stillwater, It just doesn't mean as much as it used to, but it still does for Oklahoma state. That being said, Mike Gundy has a terrible record in this game. Yeah, it would be, well, Oklahoma State, everyone who's coached Oklahoma State has a terrible record in this game. 91-19-7 all time for Oklahoma. Uh, But this game would mean a lot more to Oklahoma had they not dropped the ball last week against Kansas. And now kind of all the the national championship hopes, all that stuff is out the window for Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So I think you're right, Oklahoma State, little brother with a chance to play spoiler. This is a, this seems like a good spot for them. My the concern for me though is like what you said. I mean, seventeen of the last twenty. This Oklahoma yep. just dominates this this series historically. It's one of the most lopsided rivalries ever. Uh, but the Oklahoma defense looks vulnerable right now. They allowed six points per game in the first four weeks, twenty eight points per game in the last four. Mm-hmm. Uh, things have started to show some chinks in the armor, and Oklahoma State's playing really good football. Yeah, they, they are. Uh, Ollie Gordon. 214 yards per game in the last four games. That's one person. 214 (laughs) rushing yards per game in the last four games. He may give Oklahoma and and this Venables defense some problems. Yeah, I think Oklahoma State would be my lean here. Certainly. In in this game. Uh, Two primetime matchups between top 25 opponents. Number five, Washington is at number 20, USC. Washington, three-point favorites on the road, and I got a feeling that this is where USC screws over the Pac-12. USC is leaving the conference next season. We know they're gone, and their parting gift is going to say, we're going to keep you out of the national championship picture because Washington and Oregon, to an extent, are the hopes for the Pac-12 now to go to the college football playoff. And if Washington goes through their season undefeated, they're certainly getting in. If Oregon runs through the rest of their schedule undefeated, and beats an undefeated Washington team in the Pac-12 title game, avenging that loss, Oregon's going to the national, the, the college world playoff. But USC wins this game against Washington, and then let's say Oregon beats Washington at the end of the year. Like, this conference is screwed. And I think USC screws over the Pac-12 and wins this game. 
Yeah, I don't think that. Mostly because I think they suck. I think USC is just a bad team. That too. Uh, USC, the last five games, they are 0 and 5 ATS. Their ATS margin is minus 19 and a half points. Yeah, everyone was on this team. I know Washington's not playing great ball right now, uh, but it's going to be a shootout. And the Washington defense isn't as good as we thought it was. But the USC defense is, is I thought the USC defense was bad coming into the season. It's way worse than I thought it was. So I, I think, like, this is a shootout. I, I tr- This is going to sound weird. I trust Washington's quarterback more than the defending Heisman Trophy winner. Yeah. He's playing better than the defending Heisman Trophy winner. And here's what I really believe. USC, because they, what do they have to play for now? The, the Pac-12 championship is gone. The national championship is gone. Mm-hmm. A Heisman Trophy is gone. Yep. All those things are still in front of Washington. Washington has a lot more to play for here. Uh, and I think USC is a, t- a front-running team who's not in front right now. They're going to they're gonna sit off to the side, smoke a cigarette, and say, hey, you guys have fun. Next game is primetime as well. Number 14, LSU at number 8, Alabama. I Alabama, three-point favorites. This is an important game because the winner of this game has the leg up in the SEC West with a potential to go to a college football playoff. Uh, it would get really interesting if LSU winds up running the table and winning the conference yeah. and beats uh, Georgia in the SEC championship game because now you're talking about a two-loss SEC champion. But it's like, do you leave out an SEC champion? when one of their losses was to Florida State the first game of the year? No. I think you do. You think you do? Yeah. I mean, mean, I guess it depends over who, but, I mean, over a one-loss Pac-12 team? I know. It's just – it's like the SEC champ has an automatic bid. The it's SEC a semifinal game. The or a SEC quarterfinal this game. year is not the SEC what it's been the last 15 years. I know, it's but just LSU not. is going to have an argument if they run the table with wins at Alabama and a win over Georgia in the SEC championship game. Listen, it all starts with this game tomorrow, sure. right? You, you got to handle business tomorrow. Right now, I think the SEC is just saying, just give us Alabama Georgia again. I'm yeah. sure that's what they're hoping <laughs> yeah. for. Listen, let, let's start with this. My power rating this game is Alabama minus three and a half on a neutral. Um, LSU's been better, but I think there's been uh, an overreaction about how how good LSU's defense has looked the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. They played Army with a backup quarterback. They played Auburn, who's got one of the worst offenses in the SEC, and they they looked good against those teams. But everybody looks good against those offenses. Alabama's struggled when they can't protect Jalen Milrow. Mm-hmm. LSU can't get pressure. Yeah. And if you let Jalen Milrow sit back, you give him time to set up those deep throws, that's where he really has success is throwing that deep ball. He throws one of the best deep balls in the country. Um, so I don't know how he how they're going to stop him. I think the LSU offense is going to have some success too. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. This offense is elite. But – this this defense is really, really bad, in my opinion. So uh, LSU is going to play this like the game of the year. There's no doubt. Uh, it, it feels like winning this could really save the season for Brian Kelly. But Alabama losing already once this season has their backs against the wall, too. So it's not like you're catching Alabama in a down spot. This isn't like Alabama's not going to take this game seriously. Uh, Saban 12-5 and five straight up against LSU since he got to Alabama. All 12 of those wins have come by more than a field goal. I like the tide here. Brian Kelly, 0-3 against Nick Saban. Yeah. And that includes the one 
game at LSU last season. So and, yeah. and a national championship and, well, game. Well, I'm talking about that includes at yep. LSU. It's just one game. But, yeah, 0-3 against Nick Saban. I'm going to give you a best bet for a top 25 game, and it is going to be the game played in Denver. Number 25, Air Force hosting Army. Air Force has a chance to win the Commander-in-Chief trophy for the second straight season. And, A.J., the key to this game is the under. Unders in service academy games. The number's actually gone up to 32 now. That's crazy. Yeah, people are betting the over. But unders are 44-10-1 in service academy games since 2005. Since 2012, unders are 29-3-1. Since 2018, unders are 13-1-1 in service academy games. In the past nine games between Army and Air Force, they have combined for 31 or fewer points in seven of those nine games. One of those overs took overtime to get there. So I think both of these teams who are incredible in time of possession, Air Force number one in the country in time of possession, Army 24th in time of possession, they're going to control the clock. This is going to be a grinded out, Physical football game being played at elevation or altitude, whatever you want to call it there, in Denver. Air Force top 50 in most all defensive categories. And Army's offense, 100th or worse in third down percentage, total yards, passing, red zone offense. I see no other path besides this game being an Air Force comfortable win and very low scoring. Yeah, I I tend to agree. I, I certainly won't lay the kind of number they're asking you to lay 17 and a half. No, thanks. That's yeah. a, that's you don't do that in these service Academy games, mm-hmm. but I, I also am, I don't want to take 17 and a half yeah. either. Uh, I think the under is the way to go here. Just historically, these two teams play, they, all these service academies play these grimy games. Not many teams know how to defend the triple option mm-hmm. army and air force do. Yep. It's going to be tough for both these teams. And um, you know, you, when you look at the, the teams that have held the air force down this year, it's been the team that really held them down the best was Navy. Yeah. Sure. Navy knew what they were doing. And 17 6 that game. Yeah. So uh, I, I think this is a grimy game. I think you're onto it here. I'll give a best bet that's not in the top 25, Scott. I'm okay. going to go with Boise State plus three at Fresno State. And you're going to look at the records and go, well, Boise's four and four so far. Fresno's seven and one. Mm-hmm. I'm only getting three on the road. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, Boise's played a really tough schedule so far, and they've had some terrible luck. They lost on a last-second field goal. They lost on a Hail Mary, (laughs) converted Hail Mary. They lost a game by three that had a blocked field goal returned for a touchdown. Meanwhile, Fresno is sitting at 7-1. I'm not even sure they're good. They've played nobody and Boise's played a brutal schedule so far, including yeah. you know some Power 5 teams there. The Boise defense coming off their best defensive game of the year. They held Wyoming to 112 yards, total yards. That's a Wyoming team, by the way, that already beat Fresno this season. Fresno's value's gotten out of whack. People are looking at that straight-up record, but they failed to cover four straight games. I have Boise power-rated better on a neutral, and I'm getting three on the road. Feels like a strong enough play for me. Give me Boise State plus three at Fresno. For the rest of the college football breakdown, be sure to download the Dream Preview College Football Edition on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview Podcast. UFC is in Sao Paulo. 
That's in Brazil. That is in Brazil. They're in Sao Paulo tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to give you some options for a UFC best bet here, Scott. The main event, of course, is Gilton Almeida versus Derek Lewis. I'm going to give you two options for a best bet, though. Derek Lewis by knockout. Ooh, that you would get paid handsomely. Derek Lewis, a massive underdog in this fight against Almeida. Didn't he just fight recently? He did. And he's fight, he took this fight on short notice in Brazil against oh, a Brazilian. I hate that. I yeah. hate that. I hate short notice fights. Well, it never works out for the fighter that accepts it. I'm going to give you two choices for my best bet here. I'm going to give you a minus 135 in a lady fight or okay. a plus 105. Give me the plus 105. All right. Let's go to the co-main event then. Nicholas Dalby and Gabriel Bonfim. Over one and a half rounds pays plus 105. Bonfim. 15 wins, 15 finishes. This is a world-class prospect. He is a violent, violent man. And you're saying, 15 fights, 15 finishes, and we're taking the over? Yes. Nicholas Dalby is a tough son of a gun. Uh, he has, his 29-fight career has never been finished. I'm not saying he won't be finished. Mm. I, I think there's a good possibility that Bonfim could beat him. You know, he's an older guy. He's an, he's He's been around the block. But he's looked really good lately, and he's never been stopped before. He, I think they're underestimating just how durable this guy is. I think the book looked at this and said, okay, Bonfim, massive favorite. He's about like minus 450, minus 500. He's a big favorite. They said, how does he win? Oh, he finishes everybody. They didn't really even consider Dalby and what he does in his fights. I think, I think you also have to look for Bonfim to have a smart and safe approach early before trying to pile it on in the first round to take advantage of, of fighting an older opponent. Uh, I just can't get to a guy who has never been finished in his career not lasting seven and a half minutes. So give me, uh, give me Dalby Bonfim over one and a half rounds at plus money for my best bet. You know, I'm looking at this main event, and I'm just seeing the way that Almeida wins fights. Submission, submission, submission. And Derek Lewis is obviously a knockdown guy. Derek Lewis, clearly out of shape, taking this fight on short notice. Doesn't it just feel like he gets tired, and it won't even take, like, a really big submission hold? Just if, if, if Almeida just grapples him to the ground and gets him in any sort of choke, don't you think Derek Lewis is just going to tap out? Here's what I think, and listen, there's two ways that this fight goes. It's minus 135 Almeida by submission. Yeah, there's two ways this fight goes. It either ends with a quick takedown and a submission, mm -hmm. or it ends with Derek Lewis landing an uppercut or a knee while he tries to get, while he tries to get a yeah. takedown for Plus a quick submission. Plus 450 Derek Lewis by KO, TKO, DQ. The under one and a half rounds, we just talked about over one and a half rounds yeah. in the co-main, the under one and a half rounds in this is minus 286. I'm seeing minus 345. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's it's it's, it's gone. It's yeah, moved. It's yeah. up there. <laughs> yeah. So the, I mean there's no doubt like if you like Derek Lewis, you play Derek Lewis by knockout. If you like Gilton Almeida, you don't play the minus 485 or whatever it is. You you play the prop. You get the minus 130 or 135, whatever it is, uh, for him to win by submission. I think there's two true outcomes to this fight. Yeah. And you can get a juicy – well, I shouldn't say juicy, but you can take away a lot of juice. Yeah. Like Almeida, you can get a really juicy payout if you like Derek Lewis to win by knockout, upwards of plus 475 yeah. in some places. Derek Lewis to win by KO, DKO, or, or DQ in round one. Plus 850. That's the only way he wins this fight, in my opinion. Almeida to win by submission in round one. 
minus 110. There you go. <laughs> two true outcomes, I'm telling you now. I think I'm going to bet both of those. It's going to be a fun it's going to be a fun fight either way. Make sure you guys hit the pregame.com and take advantage of the promo codes that we are giving out each and every show, including this one that'll allow you to take $10 off any purchase at pregame.com. Hoops 10 will get you $10 off at pregame.com. You want AJ's full UFC card for tomorrow or his college football card? $10 off. Use the promo code HOOPS10. You want any daily best bet, whether it's a hockey play, a basketball play, anything, football, HOOPS10 gets you $10 off at pregame.com. Great job, man. I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM.